Good afternoon, everyone. It's Dr. Nigro again. Our next episode of Psychology Unplugged. As always, uh, the highlight of my week. I appreciate um, everybody that follows our podcast. Um, thank you for all of the uh, inspiration and kind words and um, letting us know the positive impact that we are having on uh, trying to demystify um legitimize and um, really shed light on a topic that I myself have devoted my life to, um, Julie as, as well. Even though, you know, our disciplines are different, um, we're able to really kind of bridge the, the gap between all different parts of, of, of psychology and psychiatry from psychological evals to neuropsych evals, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, psychopharmacology, even genetic testing. So um, I always make it a priority to start each of these episodes with uh, definitely gratitude and uh, sincere appreciation. And if I have not gotten back to you, keep reaching out. I, I do my best, and I know people are surprised when I pick up the phone or return a text, but um, I truly enjoy this process. I know we're not treating anybody, but it's a privilege uh, to have people come from various parts of the world um, to have me do neuropsychedels, and I, I am truly grateful and uh, much appreciation for that. So today's topic is one that I come across, because um, I do diagnostics on children, adolescents, and obviously adults, and one that I think is incredibly, a disorder that is in, increasingly more prevalent than I think we realize is social anxiety disorder and social phobia. And I see this in a lot of times in kids. And almost invariably, and I'm, I'm, I'm generalizing here, I think um, a vast majority of these kids that I have worked with and, and diagnosed have histories of being bullied. And social media plays a huge factor, thank you, Julie, huge factor, I think, into uh, perpetuating this disorder. So, but the, the you know, again, as I've, the podcast has grown. I've been more diligent with, with making notes and, um, you know, I still go off on tangents, but I try to stick to whatever I can write and whatever I can actually read. Uh, but the, the really the essential feature of, of social anxiety is this really marked intense fear of social situations. Now that could be, uh, could be social anxiety. It could be autism spectrum disorder. It could be, schizoid or schizotypal personality disorder, uh, again, get a neuropsych eval to clarify exactly what it is and what it isn't. Um, you know, it, 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 in children, um, it, the fear and anxiety, it, it generally for, for the diagnostic purposes, has, has to occur in the presence of peer settings, same age peers, uh, not just in interactions with adults, you know, where a child may, you know, parent or parents may have... Um, friends over and a child for whatever reason may be shy. You no, know, it has to occur, occur uh, for the to meet the diagnostic criteria in context of the, you know, same age um, peer group. Um, 
So individuals with social anxiety are overly concerned that they're going to be judged uh, as anxious, weak, crazy, stupid, boring, um, dirty, unlikable. Uh, none of those te- none of those words have positive connotations. So it is not uncommon for uh, it's that it's extremely common for this diagnosis to uh, co-occur with. Uh, a mood disorder such as such as the such as, um, depression. So, someone with with, with with social it's social anxiety disorder or social phobia. They're both interchangeable. They, they, that these individuals they, they they fear that they're going to act in a way that that shows their anxiety, uh, sweating, blushing, uh, uh, stumbling over their, their own words, um, especially individuals who may have a legitimate uh, organic cause of, of stuttering um, can be very difficult. And I, I was never a socially anxious person, but I, I remember, uh, you know, I'm, again, I'm thinking much more extroverted. Uh, Julie's more introverted, but I remember... Uh, I couldn't say in grammar school up until uh, fourth grade, I couldn't say verb or adverb. I said verb and I couldn't, I couldn't pronounce it. And uh, I was always a good student and I prided myself on always getting A's, but I remember that I would become terrified. And, you know, with the, if the teacher asked us to read, um, read something out, out of the textbook uh, and, and I saw the word like, oh my God. And it was incredibly anxiety provoking for me. Um, I, I, I share this story a lot of times with, 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 with a lot of times with kids and sometimes with adults that, Hey, just cause I have all this stuff hanging on my wall. I just tell people that that just makes people think I know what I'm talking about, but I, but I know what that feels like. Cause I, I remember being in that situation and I could picture myself right now sitting in my desk in third or fourth grade and oh god, I gotta read this. Um, and to this day, I'm still waiting to diagram a sentence. I never got the point of it. So, just as, as an aside, I'm really gonna learn this, but I've never diagrammed a sentence besides in in grammar school. Um, so back to social anxiety. So like, uh, like obviously stumbling over your words, uh, but again, it's that fear of negative evaluation by others. Um, some individuals fear like offending others, uh, being rejected. Um, you know, they're almost as this hypersensitivity to the environment of constantly being on guard. And whereas anxiety in and of itself can ironically be an adaptive skill as part of our sympathetic nervous system uh, of fight or flight, uh, it can also become incredibly maladaptive where social anxiety disorder can even go as far as as, as, as it, it into developing full-blown agoraphobia where a person doesn't leave, leave the house. So I think early messages uh, growing up are incredibly important, not um, messages. I mean, messages kind of like uh, you're a loser, you know, you're, you, you're, you're, you know, you shouldn't wear that. It makes you look fat. I mean, yes, yes. Parents do say these things and, and they, they've said this stuff in front of me in my office. I'm like, seriously, and you know, and, and you and the in the peer group, I think, with with social media is incredibly different than than when I was growing up, um, and and a lot of the cyberbullying, 
and you know the 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 sense of self and self esteem is developing. Uh, this 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 specific diagnosis, I think, is incredibly more prevalent. Um, uh, you know, social situations in general for these individuals provoke fear, or anxiety. Um, you know, these individuals become anxious. You know, in the in the in the social situation. Um, you know, there, there's something called like anticipatory anxiety. So anticipatory anxiety is say you have uh, the next day you have to do a presentation in class. So the anticipation, the, the event hasn't even happened yet, but the anticipation of having to perform or be in, uh, you know, in front of other people in almost in and in an evaluative context, uh, often can lead to panic attacks. Um, you know, the anticipatory anxiety, you know, sometimes it can occur like far in advance of, um, you know, I, I remember one of the episodes I talked about, you know, eighth grade, we had this green sheet. Um, and I remember, I think I had anticipatory anxiety, even though eighth grade, you'd hear about this, the green sheet, it was a hundred questions that you had to answer and given the first day of eighth grade. And I remember going home and, and I had to get all those questions done that night. And I had anxiety until I got that, that done. But I mean, I thought I had, my mom was like, geez, relax. Uh, but I remember having that, that, you know, so the anticipatory anxiety can be very proximal, meaning it's, it's going to happen in a, in a very, you know, the performance or the the event uh, is going to happen in a very short period of time, or it could be like the situation with me where I had an entire eighth grade year to answer a hundred questions. Um, so it, 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 it doesn't have to necessarily be like the next day. Um, so, you know, in, in, in kids, a lot of times what you'll see with, with this anxiety is, is crying, tantrums, freezing, clinging, uh, sh- shrinking and they're shirking in social situations afraid to get out of the car is a huge one um you know i've had kids who you know refuse to go to you know school refusal is a huge one and a lot of times the answer is it's it's the bullying and it's a lot of times it's passive bullying uh text messages subtle messages and why we even allow kids to bring phones into school i have no idea i think it's ridiculous i think it's uh, completely, uh, and it, it, it makes no sense. And at least the United States or here in Massachusetts, what what happened in the education system is they they just gave kids Chromebooks and iPads and laptops, and you gave them access to the world without any regard for what other uh, other means and other opportunities that 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 le- that it leads to um but you know i i i think i turned off pretty okay without having a phone going to school but god forbid you go to a school and you don't have an iphone and you have a flip phone uh talk about the bullying that these kids get uh so there's a lot in terms of a social comparison and, and social dynamics and you know, during the pandemic, uh, the kids who had social anxiety and who were bullied, I think they loved it. Uh, they, they actually tended to do better. They, 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 you know, like, this is great. No one's bullying me. 
other things may have happened and other things may have been going on, but if you remove those external stimuli that are causing you distress, it's like, hey, this is this isn't a bad thing, and then you you know you're you're thrust back into the situation, and you know in a world of constant social comparison, uh, you know we are overly hard on ourselves and we look at ourselves as not being good enough, not being uh, skinny enough, not being tall enough, not being you know, driving this car, living in this town, and and that's that's a that's a, not a healthy way to live. But I think we all we all second guess and question ourselves as opposed to uh, appreciating what we do have, as opposed to pining and 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 moaning over the things that we don't have. Um, you know, but the, but the fear or the anxiety is is really out. It's really judged me out of proportion to the actual risk. Um, it's again, there's that anticipatory anxiety. Um, the anxiety can be excessive, um, an overestimation of like negative consequences. I'm going to have a panic attack. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, sometimes kids will like, you you know, go to the urinate on on themselves and think about, you know, how's that going to be re, um, How's that going to be received? Uh, you know, if you're a school dance and and, and that happens, um, but you know, it, it it it's tough. And you know, you know, diagnostic you know criteria um, is really you know this you know from the DSM is marked fear or anxiety about one or more social situations in which the individual is exposed to possible scrutiny by others. Um, having a conversation, meeting unfamiliar people, being observed, eating or drinking in front of others. Uh, think about if you remember the American, remember the movie American Pie, where Finch he couldn't go to the bathroom in school; he had to run home, couldn't go to a public toilet. Um, you know, sometimes eating and drinking in front of other people. Uh, and there's a specific assessment that I use uh, to assess for social anxiety for for children and adolescents. Uh, a lot of kids will say, "I I I I don't eat lunch because or." They lunch in in their guidance counselor's office for a variety of reasons, but this is this is relentless um, because it's coming from somewhere. You know, it could be something that can be based on an actual event that happened that caused the child to internalize it and and just fear social situations. Uh, it could sometimes come as 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 a function of being raised by an overly anxious parent. Or, or caregiver that teaches the child that the world is scary and dangerous and unpredictable. And if that's reinforced and, and, and taught at a very young age, the developing persona is going to view the world as they venture out into the first days of school or social situations as this hostile environment. So, you know, that can definitely create... Um, you know, the, uh, or the, the the landscape for for developing um, social anxiety, and you know, uh, individuals with like social anxiety really, um, they're they're really not they're they're not assert, assertive and they're very submissive, um, and. They they can show rigid body posture, uh, in, avoid eye contact, speak meekly in a tone of voice. Um, they tend to, you know, older individuals take jobs that that seek, you know, jobs that require like minimal social contact. Um, 
and they may live at home longer, um, may, may delay not get got, not get married as early. Um, that's what else they write. Um, working from home, uh, self-medication, substance abuse, uh, drinking before going to a party, kind of like a social lubricant to, to um, you know, relax the anxiety, maybe an over-reliance on, on benzodiazepines. Um, but social anxiety among, among older in, in, individuals also includes an exacerbation of, of medical illnesses um, and, you know, an increase of, like, uh, tremor tachycardia, and if there's a medical condition, um, you know, sometimes is that maybe an individual is developing early signs of Parkinson's and they're hypersensitive to maybe tremors and can, you know, the embarrassment, you know, embarrassment, um, of, you know, physical conditions or somebody comes from an impoverished, uh, family and isn't wearing the newest, um, newest shoes or the newest, you know, clothing brand, um, that could all lead to that. And in, 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 in again, in a digital world, in a constant world of social comparison and, you know, social comparison theory was way, be, you know, developed way, you know, that whole model of social psychology was developed way before social media. But now everybody compares everything to what they see online, and that doesn't help anybody's developing sense of self. Whether it's your, whether you're a child, an adolescent, adult, um, but you know it 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 does, it generally develops you know early childhood, like around I'd say eight nine years old, um, and you know it you know again bullying is a huge part of this. Uh, whether it's overt, like pushing somebody, some pushing somebody up against a locker, uh, it's 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 the verbal bullying, it's it's the passive bullying, it's you know the, the whispering name calls is going to definitely, and this could lead to the development of 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 you know especially early on could lead to the development of dependent personality disorder, can lead to the development of even borderline personality disorder, could lead to the development of of. Um, Avoidant personality disorder. If, if you, especially if you're as a child and you're growing up and you're coming into, a, 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 you know, coming into the world, uh, and you know that again, the person being crystallized between five and eight, and you really have this belief system that the world is a scary place. You know, that's kind of a, a working framework for the avoidant, for the for the schizoid, for the for the uh, and for the the borderline individuals, um, and it could also lead to you know. Uh, de depressive disorders could lead to um, OCD symptoms. It could lead to, um, you know, just a more generalized anxiety. It could lead to panic disorder. So, you know, the, we use the term like social anxiety, and I think it's a very appropriate diagnosis and one that is, again, like I said, much more common. And, you know, our kids put on medication for this? Yeah. But, you know, I, I think it gets even more complicated when you have, like, school refusal. And this is where I think schools do not do a good job from a clinical standpoint. I think, you know, in, in the world that we live, I mean, do, do you think these kids who are school shooters, do you think they just wake up one day and say, you know what, I want to kill these people? This stuff was going on months and years way before. 
and nobody paid attention to it. My, my, my perspective is I think if you're going to be a teacher, if you want to re redo the educational system, the teacher should have to have a master's degree in a, in, a, in a clinical field, whether that's psychology, social work, something, to identify what is going on because this is a pervasive problem. And I see it. I see it on a daily basis. And I hear the stories. This is not, this is not you know, made up. Yes, are there kids that, you know, cry wolf and do that stuff? Absolutely. But these kids who are being bullied, it is it is ridiculous. And if you to live the to live in a world where you're impacted every day and, and, and you're bullied and you're 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 harassed, what what kind of self-esteem do you think they're gonna have? And again, you know, justification is not, you know, you know, explanation is not it's not just it's not justifiable if somebody goes to that extreme way of, you know, God forbid, you know, shooting, you know, school shooters. But come on, you can't, you cannot deny that this stuff was, was, wasn't was there and the warning signs weren't there and they weren't going to their teachers. And I can't tell you how many teachers, the kids have said, they all just suck it up or go sit somewhere else. Or it, it's, it's, it's horrible. And, you know, forgive me for being passionate about this, but that's part of, that's a huge reason why I do this for a living is to advocate for the people who can't advocate for themselves and to give people answers. Um, but, but social anxiety and social phobia are real and they are legitimate and they can be incredibly debilitating. Uh, is it treatable? Absolutely. A lot of times in vivo exposure therapy is a very effective therapeutic technique and, and, and getting, you know, exposing kids to say like maybe, you know, you know, to not view the entire world as a scary place. Okay, maybe school is tough. And sometimes you work with families and say, you know, they, they've made the decision. I'm going to homeschool my child. And I can tell you from experience, when the kids are removed from that situation and they're homeschooled, it's almost like the symptoms have dissipated. And I'm happy. And I hang out with my friends and the friends that I like. Uh, and I'm not saying bullying is the is the is the etiology or the ontogenesis of social anxiety disorder, but I think it is definitely uh, a contributory factor. Uh, you know, public speaking is one of the most you know one of the top you know phobias. Uh, you can probably guess I have no problem doing public speaking. Uh, Julie, I think is a little different, but you know, introverts and extroverts they they tend to work together. But I wanted to really you know address this topic because I I, I see it so often. And I see the pain in, in people's eyes. I see how restrictive their lives are. I see parents who are uh, at, at a loss for their children and, and, and the pain that it brings and what kids are missing out on and, and events that they wish they could do, you know, playing sports. Now, you know, most people are, I think, for the, for the vast majority of people, are pretty resilient. They could take a joke. They could take, you know... A comment here or there. I remember making jokes growing up, and I'm I'm no saint, um, but I think when it when it becomes relentless and and it becomes nonstop to a point where you know the fear, and then you know you get then you, and then the you know the the you know law enforcement. I've had cases where they call the truant officer, and they're they're pulled the, the truant the kids hiding under the bed because they're so afraid, and the truant officer is pulling the kid out of bed under the bed, making them go to school. I mean, what the what is that? How is that helpful? It's only perpetuating the problem. And sometimes these kids end up on an inpatient unit. And you know what? They, they, and they, they tend to keep going back to inpatient units because you know what? They feel safe. And 
you know, anxiety in and of itself is a debilitating condition. It is debilitating and it's it's overused. It's it's completely misunderstood. And it, it's like, take a deep breath, go for a walk, use your grounding techniques. Those are all nice, well and good. Uh, but it's something that is treatable from a cognitive behavior perspective. It's something that is treatable from a pharmacological perspective. Um, but we, none of us can stop the world from what, what it's doing. We can only try to make changes to enhance, um, you know, empathy and decrease hatred, decrease violence, um, accept and be, you know, be more tolerant and, and, and more accepting and less judgmental and keeping our mouths shut and not posting everything online. Um, and again, I, I've seen this as, 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 a, as a, in my opinion, a very, it's, it's a severe disorder that can wreak havoc on, on, on people's lives. And it's very, it's legitimate. Uh, and again, it's, it rarely, if I ever diagnosed this in isolation without another comorbidity, such as major depressive disorder, a personality disorder, OCD, um, so, oh, Julie popped in, as she does. Hi, everybody. <clears throat> I have to reiterate what Corey was talking about. Um, bullying, bullying is a, a problem. Uh, just to, I was listening to what Corey was saying, and I do feel like teachers have a heavy load. So I think to um, narrow... Uh, so I'm just going to just spew out what my experience was. Um, I was severely bullied uh, growing up, um, so much so that my parents had to put me in a different school. Um, I was just, I don't know why, I was just a target, and, um, and I didn't know how to defend myself. And it wasn't just one kid, it was really just like the popular kids, um, I remember feeling very lonely in that. Um, I used to walk home from school alone. Um, you know, my parents were there. I did have a supportive family at home. But when you when you have a supportive family at home and then you go out into the world, some people just aren't kind. Um, I think that's the part that's so difficult because when you grow up and you're bullied, um, it definitely affects your self-esteem for sure. And your sense of self-worth. Um, I was able to kind of recover from that. Um, I did get therapy, not as a child, but when I was older, um, I also, you know, it made me a little stronger. You know, I, I wound up at a, a, a great school, high school. Um, everybody called each other by our first names, not last names. And there wasn't a lot of like sex, drugs, rock and roll and all that stuff. Um, it was just uh, not a lot of partying, um, but I was bullied by kids who had no supervision at home. I was bullied by kids who were kind of like street smart. Um, and I remember uh, when I went into the field, I thought that because of my experience of being bullied, that I was going to be the best therapist to help people with bullying. Uh, my clients. And uh, no, it wasn't the case at all. In fact, I thought I had worked through everything. Wasn't the case. But, you know, 
I guess I try to say like, there's three ways to look at it. Do I think kids need cell phones in schools right now? Not for the purposes of social media, but definitely for the purposes of being able to contact their parents if they need to contact their parents. Um, you know, because of school shootings, it's very important for kids to have cell phones. So I, I kind of am like on the other side of the, the, um, I, I guess I just would want my child to have a cell phone with restrictions. Um, when I was growing up, uh, the only thing that we, I feel like was the checkout line or, you know, magazines. That's, that's really what we, I was exposed to nothing like what our kids are exposed to now. No way. And even just checking out with your parents while they're grocery shopping, you're looking at these beautiful women, um, you know, being photographed and, you know, Sports Illustrated, supermodels, all that stuff, all well and good. Um, But it really had an impact on me. Um, You know, Barbie dolls, come on, seriously? I mean, when you think of like all these things that you grow up with, and, you know, sometimes things can kind of slip through the cracks and affect you while it doesn't do it for somebody else. Um, The thing about bullying, though, um, that I that I'm very concerned about is I remember when I was very young, we watched this movie they made us watch in school called Cypher in the Snow. And I will never forget it as long as I live. This poor kid was bullied so badly that he was getting off the school bus and he just fell collapsed and he died. It was, he was severely bullied. It was horrible, but I think it was meant to teach kids not to bully. Um, for me, that didn't seem to work. Uh, have I ever been a bully? I don't believe I have been a bully. I think I've been more the type of person who knows what it's like to be bullied. So I'd stand up for someone who was being bullied. Um, and, you know, when you think about actually getting in the mindset of a bully, um, because they can be pretty damn cruel, they're learning it from somewhere. And if you're a kind person rolling through this, this life, this journey of life, you know what it means when you're feeling hatred towards somebody or severe anger towards somebody to the point where you want to deliberately and intentionally hurt somebody over and over and over, or even if it's just once. This bullying, gaslighting, all this stuff, this is, this is all personality stuff. And it is basically, you know, what did you learn when you were growing up? Well, did you play video games that were very violent toward women? Were you, did you play video games that were, you know, um, kind of diminished empathy because there was all you did was, you know, numbers and shooting people and killing people? I mean, the video industry, this industry is, I think, has had such a negative impact on, um, I would imagine, school shootings. Um, it's tough because you have to kind of think to yourself, how bad does someone have to feel about themselves in order to take someone out? How bad do you have to feel? You know, in the climate today in the world, I, I really, I advise, I'd advise you, I'm not a super huge fan of Dr. Phil, gotta say, but he posted something on his Instagram about what's going on in the Middle East. And I thought he did a beautiful job. Um, is very articulate and I support it a hundred percent. Um, and you know, we're seeing bullying to the point where 
it's unfathomable. Um, bullying is a problem. And that is how people wind up, um, you know, going down the wrong path. You know, there are people who are, you know, have rough, rough family lives at home or broken homes or whatever. And then they go out and hang out with friends. Well, what are the friends group? The friends group is crucial. Um, let's say like I, I studied a lot about, you know, gangs in, um, in our country and I did a, um, a thesis on it. And, and I just was, I was so, I could understand the philosophy of it. I didn't like the way in which gang members, you know, in the, in the violence and, um, the, uh, um, misogyny and, um, the, the just violent and all kinds of levels. But when I really, really tried delve deep into it, I was able to see, okay, these are like lost souls who are, you know, being, um, recruited into a gang. And if you are a kid who doesn't have a, a stable home, family home, then, you know, you're, you're going to easily get tripped up in something like that, um, depending on where you live. Um, this is just a different context, but it's all the same. If you look at, if you look at this, I mean, you see so many things on narcissism. No. Oh. So back to the point, sorry, I, I go on these tirades. Social phobia and social anxiety, it's real. It's very real. And I feel like parents suffer just as much as, not just as much, but equally, but in a different way when their kids are being bullied. It, it, you know, you're only as happy as your unhappiest child. So as a parent, and I think it's hard for parents to even they, there's no sense of control because in schools, I feel like some schools are better than others about teaching kindness and having a climate of zero tolerance for bullying. There is a zero tolerance for bullying. That's unfortunately not the case in most schools. Um, I feel like they, you know, who, who does it really come down to when I was in high school, I had a guidance counselor assigned to me. He probably had, I don't even know how many students, but he was always accessible to me. That's not the case anymore. Um, this has been going on since my kids were in school. I, I was completely baffled by the fact that guidance counselors had all the students from like A, A to the letter M, and then another had the rest of the alphabet. These are like hundreds and hundreds of kids that how can you possibly prevent something from happening if you are just a clinician in a school system as a guidance counselor? They're, they're overworked. There's, the population is incredibly large. And schools, public schools, some better than others, but they're overcrowded. Teachers are overworked. They can't possibly babysit everybody. So what happens is, is like these kids, if they get bullied, they don't want to go to school. And, you know, yes, maybe sometimes they wind up being homeschooled, which I think is, is extreme. I don't, I think it's more common now than ever, but it's really not super common. Um, but, you know, looking back at my experience and seeing how it's played out in, in real time and, and, you know, seeing, you know, my children grow up, um, in school systems, um, 
you know, I, I remember my kids being anxious too, you know, and I want to speak on their behalf, but social anxiety is real and it can be very debilitating. Um, people can become very agoraphobic um, and that impacts their overall functioning in the world. Um, they're living in fear and a lot of people have something to be fearful of and, um, and that breaks my heart. But um, I think that if you're a parent and your child is going through this, get your own therapy. Start somewhere. Get therapy for them. Some kids don't want therapy. They don't want meds because they don't want to be singled out as I'm an, oh, I'm a patient now, when they're really the victim of, of bullying. So it's, it, it's kind of like, um, it, it, it's just, it's, it's, it's not gotten any better. It's gotten worse with social media. Um, I think social media is depressing. It's anxiety provoking. You don't know what you're seeing is real or it's an illusion. Um, you know, I, I get tripped up in things on social media, just like most people do. I get, um, I don't really like, uh, scroll TikToks. I find them annoying like South Park, but I just like, I, but there are things, especially in recent, um, the recent month. Um, since October, October the 7th, um, definitely can get hooked. And then you start watching and then you're like, oh my God, the emotions start flowing. And that's, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And, you know, it's not all real. So what you're seeing, you have to be really careful about what you're seeing and trustworthy sources of what is not, not noise, but what's news, what's really news. And that's very hard for our society to work through because we have a very, um, bifurcated, uh, political climate right now. And it's not, doesn't seem to be getting any better. Um, the division is real and people are, you know, reacting emotionally, um, and intensely in bullying. Um, and it's happening all over the world, not just in the United States. Um, regardless of what your belief is, I would just say again, if you hurt another person, you're hurting me. If you hurt another child, you hurt my child. No, no, no child. No, no. And, and I just feel like we're here to be kind to each other. That's why we're here. Do good because that's why we're here and get help. If you need help, get help. You shouldn't be bullied. You shouldn't be feeling this bad. And I don't, I, and, and, you know, this is where, you know, you might want to kind of push, push the envelope a little bit, looking at why kids start using substances. Well, I know why kids start drinking because of social anxiety and peer pressure. What about marijuana use? Same thing. Um, they call marijuana the gateway drug. It, whatever drug you're looking at, you're looking at, I, I cannot, I can, I have not met one person that I've worked with in my entire career that was not self-medicating, that was using drugs. They were all self-medicating something, whether it was bipolar, trauma history, um, generalized anxiety, social anxiety, de major depression, uh, bipolarity, psychosis, you name it. Kids are also anxious and they have social anxiety if they have ADHD inattentive type. They get lost in the shuffle because they're inattentive. They're not causing trouble in the classroom like the hyperactive kid. So I found in my career so far that many, many kids 
adolescents are very, very anxious and they present as super anxious. But at the end of the day, they get better because their ADHD has been treated. So no matter how you look at this, it's sort of like coping skills are great, um, but you need a community, um, a safe community, and you need a safe, whether it's a family, work family, if you can't fix your family at home, make your own family. And that doesn't mean teenagers go out and literally make your own family. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, you know, make your own family with your friends, the friends that you trust. And if there's two friends in the world that you can trust, then you're, then you're doing all right. Um, you don't have to have 50,000 friends. Like Facebook has literally, uh, it's such nonsense. Um, true friendship is very difficult to find, but when you find it, it's gold. And that's something that, you know, you have to feel like you deserve that. Um, yeah, there are medications you can use. I don't really want to go down psychopharm lane right now. Um, I just, I'm, I'm just sending you all love and I'm asking everyone to just kind of meditate a little bit and send love to, um, the Middle East, um, and all the, all the innocent civilians, um, but just so terribly tragic, um, and, uh, and be there for each other and ask each other how they're doing. You don't have to be Jewish to feel what's happening here. And, um, I think it's important to ask each other how they're feeling because in our society, things get pushed aside very quickly. You know, if something pops up and this is drama over here, well, we forget what's happening over there. And then we just focus on the next thing. It's, it's like, it's like addiction almost. Um, but it's also lack of empathy. And, um, that's something that social media has almost destroyed is people's lack of empathy. Um, I saw one of the most poignant, um, I, and I should post it, but it's so depressing. I saw some, one of the most poignant um, videos, and it was black and white, and it was it was a cartoon car- caricatures, and it was everyone was walking around, and you probably you if you're on social media, you probably have seen this at some point. It was almost like Gotham. It was like the darkest, grim climate. It was I think in the city for the most of the part. I don't know what city it was. I don't think that's relevant, but. They just showed people walking down the sidewalk looking at their phones. And while they're walking down the sidewalk, there's a person that is at the top of a building in the city. And that person is in pain and they're about to jump. But everyone on their phones, they immediately push, hold the phones up so they can take a video of the person who's on the ledge. Are they dropping their phones to go help this person? No. They're taking video of this happening. This is disgusting. The next scene is you see the you see the the characters holding the phone as the person is jumping from the building, landing on the ground, dead. They film it and they walk away and they start looking at their cell phones again. I have I cannot tell you how how sick to my stomach I was when I saw that, because you know what? It's true. It's sad. It's true. Um, I hope the pendulum swings. Um, like I know you, um, it, it was Albert Einstein who said, you know, technology has, 
surpassed humanity is always a dangerous thing, you know, and then the pendulum will swing and then humanity will surpass technology. And that's what tends to happen if you look at history. Um, but, you know, it, it, and I'll go back to Einstein again. He's one of my favorite um, human beings. I wish I knew him. But, you know, you decide whether you want you wake up and you say, I'm living in a hostile or friendly universe. That's the first most important thing you ask yourself in this world. It's very, very easy to slip into depression and looking at what's happening globally. And I'm not geopolitical at all. I do, I'm not at all that way. I'm not even well-versed in it enough to even explain it or do it any kind of justice. But you know, there's something to be said about that. David Bowie and Prince, two of my favorite musical artists of all time, they cautioned the world of this. They cautioned people of this. There are interviews with people saying, whoa, 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 don't you're going down, a, you're going down the wrong road. And, and we're here. So I hope this next generation puts their phone down, stops looking at, stop looking at your phone. When we were growing up, we didn't have phones. We had a phone on the wall with a long cord. That's it. And we had to fight over the phone with our family members. So I'm just saying times have changed, but just pay attention. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Um, We're sending love. Thank you for all of your support. God bless you all. And we'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Julie, for covering 40 topics. <laughs> um, no, I think every, every, I think everything she, you know Julie said is true. I, I mean, um, uh, not everything is linked back to bullying, but it is a problem. Like I said, the ideology could be growing up with a parent or a caretaker who basically says the world is scary and dangerous. Um, but if you have concerns about this, uh, please get yourself or your child in for testing uh, because, again, rarely does this disorder uh, occur in isolation. And that's the, you know, the benefit of, of neuropsych testing is to be able to really parse out everything else that may be underlying or coexisting or being comor- uh, comor- ugh, comorbid. So, as always, thank you for your devotion and and, uh, appreciation of our podcast. Um, Feel free to reach out to me at psychologyunplugged at outlook.com. You can get a hold of me through Psychology Today. You can follow us on Facebook at psychology underscore unplugged underscore. And you can even contact me directly, 617-750-9411, East Coast Standard Time in the United States. Until next time, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, be well, and I will talk to you guys.